As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back to the latest edition of Until Saturday, Rivalry Week edition. I'm Ari Wasserman, joined by Dave Ubbin. We don't have a guest this week. We are lone wolves, and that's not a joke at all. Um, We are going to try our best to get through 10 games here this week. It's obviously Thanksgiving week, and first, let me wish everybody a happy holiday. I hope that everybody gets to spend time with the people that matter to them the most and have a filling and enjoyable day. Um, It's my favorite holiday of the year, Dave. I don't know where it ranks uh, for you. It's up Um, there for me. Yeah, overeating and laying and watching football is a pretty good combination for the Ari Wasserman book. But um, yeah, I just want to say that to everybody who's listening and and watching. Uh, we are going to get through a pretty jam-packed episode. We have the game, Ohio State-Michigan, which is probably maybe one of the most anticipated Ohio State-Michigan games in the history of that rivalry. We have the Iron Bowl. We have Civil War. We have Apple Cup. We have more rivalry picks. We have everything to get through, and we're going to try to give – um, everybody a, a nice thorough look at all those games be sure to follow the podcast on apple wherever you listen to your podcast and drop us a five-star review um, share it interact with it anything you can do to make that podcast feed continue to grow would be greatly appreciated and also if you're not watching on youtube live right now subscribe to the youtube channel and be sure to join us live tuesday night after the college football playoff reveal Thursday for our pick show, Saturday for our live reaction to the games, and then Sunday for our our Sunday sound off episode that you can participate in. That is live on YouTube and will certainly be in your podcast feeds too, but we encourage you guys to subscribe to both, and the links to both can be found in both shows' uh, profiles, uh, descriptions. Uh, If you want to take part in the Sunday sound off show, be sure to leave a voicemail at the Until Saturday phone line. It is 316-462-9852. Again, that is 316-462-9852. We will play your questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, insults, whatever you have to say, we will play it on the show. Sign up for the Until Saturday newsletter where you get your daily fill of college football news right to your inbox from The Athletic. Um, and also be sure to subscribe to The Athletic. You know, I don't think we do enough promotion to the actual website that we write for, um, but this is the time to do it. It's the Black Friday $1 a month for 12-month sale. Um, you can visit theathletic.com slash Saturday. Um, and the deal is good through November 27th. If you want the athletic thinking about trying it out, a dollar a month is a, a steal. And most people who sign up under that deal tend to stick around long term because I do believe uh, in the quality of the product and the vast 
number of writers that we have covering all the sports that you care about, not just college football. And as we move on into the show, just remember that every line, every gambling spread that we present to you will be by BetMGM. Thank you so much for that sponsorship. It means a lot to us and certainly a great resource to anybody who wants to to read how the games are going to go. Okay, Dave. Mm-hmm. We're going to tease people a little bit. We're not going to start with Ohio State, Michigan. And, and, and frankly speaking, we're doing the pick show two days early because of Thanksgiving. And I still need some time to let those thoughts permeate. How are you doing today, by the way? You haven't said a word. It's three minutes into this thing. I'm good. Uh, <laughs> I thought we should have done this show Thursday at 1 p.m. Keep our normal time slot. I don't know why mm-hmm. we moved it. Uh, but I'm feeling good. Uh, and the Internet's foremost anti-Ohio State podcast continues on by making people wait for our discussion of the game. So I'm yeah. looking forward to it. Yeah, I think I, by the end of the show, I got to ask you what your favorite Thanksgiving sides are. And if it's gizzards or something, then like we're, <laughs> it'll be something weird. And I don't know what it is. Maybe it would just be a macaroni I'll like keep everybody it brief. else. It's a, it's a sweet, I'm a sweet potato casserole guy. Okay. That's at least it's not weird. Okay. Yeah. Like last year, we, we had cottage cheese pop up on the show. Yeah, and- that still was unbelievable. <laughs> and the comeback story of Scott showing that they served cottage cheese in the Iowa press box was, I, I, but he I cheated. Gasped. He cheated because I guess (laughs) Iowa has a salad bar and he went to the salad bar and added the cottage cheese to his plate. I don't think that was a Thanksgiving staple. I'm never going to believe that that was the case. Shout out to Um, Iowa. I got to tell you, in the world full of pointless things, a salad bar at a college football press box has got to be top five. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like Ruby Tuesday up there. Yeah. I mean, they they have to do something in between all the punts. Okay, yeah. let's start off with a, uh, with a game that is near and dear to both of our hearts. Um, and we're going to play musical chairs here, Cam, so keep up with us. Yes. But your preseason Big 12 champion versus still my chance, preseason Big 10 champion, Texas. Um, is I it says at Texas Tech, I believe they're at home. Yeah, we're in Austin. Um, we're in ten Austin. and one, seven and one in the Big Twelve. Texas is laying twelve and a half points, and Texas Tech is coming into town. We are one win away from Texas making appearance in Dallas in the Big Twelve championship game. I think before the season started, we circled this game as as a game that we think could cause Texas some issues, even if they were having a good year. We are here now, mm-hmm. Dave. Yeah. Do you think Texas gets tripped up here, or are you ready to trust no. them with your heart and soul? Texas Tech is not a good football team. Now, I will say <clears throat> you get the right combination of forfeits and injuries and transfers, and Texas Tech is still in the Big 12 title hunt, so they still have a lot to play for here, obviously. But no, I... <laughs> I was I was surprised to see Tyler Shuck transfer. You know, with this the week. Big Twelve tiebreaker rules, you got to be careful that people don't pick up yeah. your your sarcasm because that is a. <laughs> I, I don't know what's more co- coherent: the Big Twelve tiebreaker rules or Connor Stallions is we'll uh, manifesto. But you can you can make fun terrifying. of the Big Twelve here, yeah. but as we're killing divisions and you have an eighteen team yeah. Big Ten and a sixteen team SEC, obviously you're not playing round robin. Dumb tiebreakers, Ari. I'm gonna have to spend the off season like educating myself on all these tiebreakers because. I like still don't get the Big 12s. I don't either. I read like the form. I don't understand what they're saying. It's very confusing, and like this is just going to be the sport for a while, and I already hate it because I just that I just hate this stuff, but it's going to be integral, and it's going to de- decide a it's lot. It's kind of funny, Dave, that in a world where we are shifting towards a 12-team playoff to reduce discourse of who plays into the national championship game, that weird tiebreakers at the conference level could keep viable options out of the t- championship game. And that or, could have an impact on automatic bids into the freaking tournament. Like it's insane Ari, to me. 
it could put viable candidates into the playoff. I think yeah. I think as far as that part of the conversation, I think it will all come out in the wash. But I think, I think there will be arguments. There will be arguments about it. Is all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, It'll I don't. Be crazy. I mean, I'm 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 pre annoyed and pre angry at the tiebreakers because, like, until this week, I hadn't really thought about the fact that, like, with divisions, it's never mattered all that much because you do play around robin, and every now and then you get kind of a weird one. Like, obviously, the most famous example I think would be the Big 12 South in 2008 where they had the weird tiebreaker ended up changing the rules. Um, the the Texas Oklahoma situation. They also, situation. during COVID, changed the Big Ten East's rule. That's maybe not the same thing. Yeah. But they put Ohio State into the Big Ten championship game over Indiana because of, like, game cancellations and stuff. So it is strange. Yeah. Here's the If you want to try to read this, I'm not going to go through it again. I was listening back to our podcast, Dave, where I tried to read it. I was like, I don't I, know you what lost you're me, saying. You lost yeah, me 30% yeah. through. But I think part of the reason why I read it that way is because I wanted people to feel how overwhelming it is to read the document. And I think yeah. I, I succeeded in that. But that said, uh, do you think that Texas is finally going to assert their dominance and just blow yes. a team out and cover the spread? Yes. Or do you think it's going to be another one of these, you know, three-point games in the third quarter that Texas ekes out? How many times do you think Texas's roster has seen Joey McGuire's uh, post-game speech this week? Because I'd bet that it's quite a few times. The idea that... like you hear that listen, stuff every week, man. Everybody... No, 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 no. You don't hear the head coach of the team that you're about to play telling his team, I told you they were going to break, and they did. You don't hear that every week, Ari. I don't care who you are. If you're Texas, if you're anybody that gets everybody's best shot. And I think that's motivating. I don't think it matters that much. Texas is a much better team. Texas Tech is in a bad place right now. They've been unimpressive all season long. They've had a ton of quarterback injuries. Like I mentioned before, Tyler Shucks off to the transfer portal. Kind of a surprising move to me. but Timing-wise, um, anyway. Yeah, it was just weird overall. Um, but no, I think Texas handles this easily. I think they cover. Texas, when they play average Texas Tech teams in Austin, I'd like to see the history on this. Usually, it's a boss-up situation, and I think Texas is done messing around. And they didn't play very well against Ohio or against Iowa State last week, a sort of underrated, overrated Iowa State team that's in a, another had another weird season. Um, I think they're properly well, rated because they're covered. just weird. Yeah, like you lose all these guys with the gambling pro, but then you're winning games, but then you haven't really beat anybody and you haven't really been that competitive against the best teams, but you're still like headed to a bowl and everyone thought you were going to be terrible. I don't I still don't know what to make of Iowa State, you know, 11 games in, but that's impressive to not play well and win and cover at night on the road against a competent team. I think that was highly motivated, too. Yes, very much so. Uh, So I think Texas wins this big. Okay, let's stick with the playoff teams. I don't know if you read my column that ran today. I haven't read it yet. The headline was college football playoff chaos scenarios that will force me to change my position on the expansion discussion. (laughs) And the number one disaster scenario, I think, is if it comes down to a fourth spot where Alabama and Texas are directly compared to one another and then a committee just making a decision for us rather than yeah. If there's there are viable options at the end of the road here um that are left out, that is disgusting to me. And it's never happened before. Mm-hmm. And I don't know yeah. uh if it's gonna happen this year, but this is the furthest we've gotten into the season, Dave, mm-hmm. with five unbeaten teams in the playoff era. And Ari, and, I don't think we I don't think I asked you this on the previous show. Hmm. If it came down to it and you were on the committee, who would be your number four and who would be your number five in that situation? 
Texas. Okay. Both are defensible. Both are enraging. It is what I it can't, is. I can't sit here and yell into a microphone for two years about how important <laughs> the regular season is and then dismiss the result. I wasn't going to say it. I'm glad you said it. <laughs> um, but that said, in my heart, I think that Alabama would be the team that should go. Yeah, you know, I would agree. I, it's like it's hard. Like I would have to pick Texas because I think they earned it. Well, but then yeah. I also understand that maybe if Texas played Alabama tomorrow, it might go different. Like this it, is it's, the, just it's like the same column that I wrote last year, Ari. After the the committee rightfully excluded Alabama and included TCU, and I basically TCU fans got mad at me, but I wrote the committee did not put the four best teams in the playoff, and that's fine. And the thesis of the story is basically like. At some point, the results have to matter. Have to matter, yeah. Nothing that Nick Saban said on Saturday night, you know, that that when he was making his media rounds, talking about betting trends and all this stuff, nothing he said was wrong. Alabama was a much better team than TCU last year, but the results have to matter. And yeah. I think you're right. I would and probably they have go mattered Texas. a lot. The, yeah. the, the, um, you know, I covered Ohio State teams with one loss that didn't get in because they lost mm-hmm. the only game they couldn't lose. And, yeah. I can't sit here and act like the regular season is the playoff and then pretend and then pick the team that lost the playoff game to go over the team that beat them. It just wouldn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it has to matter. And the they sad lost it thing at home is by double digits, it should be. Double and digits. the sad thing is, Dave, I think if we get put in that situation, it won't matter, which is the which is the reason why the 12 team would, I have to change my mind because if, if the season's not going to matter, then what are we protecting? Like that's the whole, I think you're right, Ari. I think it will yeah. be Alabama. If it comes down to those two, I think it will be Alabama. Um, just like the tiebreakers next year. I'm, I'm pre angry about it because beating Georgia is going to be enough to get them over the hump. They're one spot behind Texas. That's going to be enough. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oregon State um, coming off of a a tough loss against Washington at home on the road um, at Oregon, number six, big rivalry game. Oregon's 10 and one, seven and one. And people are starting to grumble a little bit about Oregon's placement in the rankings based on their schedule and resume. And I don't know if I'm at that point yet, but like, I don't care. They win this game. They win Washington. It doesn't matter. No, no, I know. But does Oregon earn back some respect on Saturday or do you think this is a this is like the first domino that falls that eliminates the Pac-12 from playoff contention no I I don't think Oregon's losing this game at home uh they're in a weird spot because this week we got news at the Apple Cup was it five or seven years they're gonna I think it was five five years 
I think this game will probably continue on. Uh, John Wilner, who has his finger on the pulse of just about anybody in the Pac-12, I think he put it at 99% that this game continues on. Maybe there's a one-year interruption. We will see. I think Oregon State and Washington State are in a fascinating spot schedule-wise that we still don't know who they're going to play next year. But ultimately, Oregon is a really good team, and I, I, I think they win this game, but that's a lot of points. Uh, I, it started the week at 14.5, moved to 13.5. It's interesting they crossed a key number that easily. Um, but uh, Oregon State's too good to get punked this hard. They can control the line of scrimmage. They won't control it in this game, but they'll be good enough to put some points on the board, slow Oregon down a little bit. Um, I think the, the under is an interesting play here, but give me Oregon State. Here's the question uh, with the Oregon. Points here. Mm-hmm. Do they have a obvious and identifiable weakness on this football team? No, that's why I like Oregon. They're not Their best asset is their vertical passing game and the fact that they have a quarterback that I'm still – I haven't seen him make – I mean, since he's left Auburn, I, I, you could count the number of bad mistakes or bad decisions he's made on like one hand. He is, that's their biggest asset. But you look around and they're physical. They cover. Uh, they're good on the line of scrimmage. They have good speed. Bucky Irving is fantastic. Like they can rush the pass. Have to they can say, slow down the run game. It's it's wild. The fact that you didn't say this person's name is the perfect segue to the point I want to make. I think Troy Franklin yeah. is one of the most underrated players in the entire sport. I, I don't think like, people talk about him. Near, I like just, I know Romo Dunze's good, Marvin's yeah. good, you know, Keon Coleman's good. Like there's a lot of really good You know what where you why can are I you say like this? I'm not I'm not lukewarm about this. I'm not it a hater. It sounds like can it. I, can the I guy's say I'm not a awesome. hater? He's very good. He's very fast. But when I watch him play for me it looks like oh, he's got he got schemed open. It's not like you're mossing people left and right, or you're this incredible route runner. He's very fast. He's very good. But when I watch him, I don't come away thinking like, oh, this guy's incredible. I think, man, that was great route design. When you get him in a one-on-one, he's really tough to cover. So he hasn't um, had enough like, highlights for you? More or less. I mean, I I'm mean, not saying he's not and good. Like, highlights. Yeah, stuff like that. Like He's a great player. One of the best receivers. You made the Blitnikoff semifinalist list this week. I was 68 very much receptions, 1,221 yards, and 13 yes. touchdowns. Uh, great season, great player. But I don't know that he's on the same level as like Odunze and Harrison and Neighbors and these guys that just like, oh my gosh. So Where you can't do anything to stop them? Yeah, basically. That's where I'm at with Troy Franklin. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I, didn't, I never stopped to think about it that way, but I'm going to watch it closer now and mm-hmm. try to dunk on you in a further show. <laughs> watched a lot of Oregon this year. I, I, have enjoyed I think Oregon's going to kick the crap out of Oregon State. I think people are falling into the trap of last year's game, and I think that Oregon has just got an answer for everything that Oregon State. I think Oregon is better than Washington, and Washington, mm-hmm. I thought, even though it got a little bit scary there for them at the end, was a clear and better team. This one's on the road. Um, it's a rivalry game. Oregon's mad. that they. I, I think that Oregon is going to win the Pac-12 and make the playoff. So I'm not I think they're going to cover this number and I actually might venture to say that they might cover the original number which would be by three scores instead of the two here that that are 13 and a half is. So yeah, I'm I'm a big Oregon duck uh Kool-Aid drinker and we'll see been, what happens here. We've been we've been sipping on it. I've been well, I've been over here already listen, since listen, like Listen, listen. I am September. covering the Pac-12 championship game in Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas. Um and I hope that it's one loss Oregon versus Washington. Undefeated. Me too. I, I, I mean, I can't we wait need for that. that. Game. The, I think it's the perfect 
send-off to the conference to finally get to a position where you have a play-in game to the playoff. Yeah. And hopefully it, it, it matters that way. And I think that you have two teams that are worthy of going. So um, that'll be fun. I don't want to see Oregon lose this game and have the disaster scenario on the table for the Pac-12, where they've been, in my mind, I, some of the second class of the Pac-12 has kind of slipped a little bit. Like Washington State has not looked good. Colorado has fallen off a little bit. Um, but I the, the Pac-12 has been as good as any conference. I think you, I don't know about the conference. Or you can make a case of the best conference in the league. I don't earn the in the country. I don't want to see them be excluded from the playoff with all these quarterbacks and all these really really good teams. So Oregon, you want to at least get to a point where they're playing in a high highly competitive game in a dome to determine who is going yes. to play in the dome. Yes. Um. Yeah. Okay. So why don't we keep kind of edging around the playoff? Uh, world a little bit here and let's go to Florida state at Florida. That's the rivalry game. Uh, Florida state is on the road without Jordan Travis, 11 and 0 and eight. No, I think if you're a general fan who doesn't root for chaos, you're one Florida state loss away from clearing it up. Pretty. The much. question is, do you think that Florida state is going to lose? Uh, all the focus is on Tate. Is it Rotomaker? Yeah. Rotomaker. I believe it's, Roland All the Gardner. focus is on him. Henry Roland Gardner. <laughs> yes, going on the road to the swamp in his first career start. Good luck, kid. And people are just sort of overlooking that Florida is also having their backup quarterback, Max Brown, play. And Graham Mertz has been pretty good the last like month. He's played pretty good football. So losing him is a very real thing for Florida. I think this number would be much, much lower um, if... Florida had um, Graham Mertz to play, but they don't. So ultimately, I think this is a game that Florida State wins. I think it gets very nervy. I mean, going on the road with your backup quarterback, despite the fact that, that Florida State is as good as and not they just are, on the road, like this is as on the, the road as you can get. Yeah, in the swamp. And I think that I'll be interested to see because you have a Florida team here playing for a bowl game, which, OK, say what you will, but they're playing still want to play for a bowl game. Yeah. Ruining their rival season and at home. And a highly I motivated mean, I, I coach think, to flip the script yeah, a little bit. You're not going to get like an A-plus swamp crowd, but you're going to get a pretty good swamp crowd. And it's this will be a tough spot for Florida State, but I think they can survive this. But I like Florida and the points here. I think I'd probably buy it up to seven and a half and make it a two-possession game and, and ride with Florida yeah. here. But I think Florida yeah. State wins a close one. Yeah. Um, and that, But this is the key. Like if you go read... We are actually in a position where we might get chaos this year. Mm-hmm. People root for it all the time. I don't understand the notion of doing that. I guess if if people are relieved or want to expose a system that they deem to be flawed, then you root for something to happen that forces it to change. Yeah, it the system's could, already changing though. We're, so what are we? Yeah, we're not for even here? we're not even at the point though where it would be unlikely that it happens. I think that if chalk holds, we're going to be put in a situation. Now it might just end up being that. There'll be four undefeated teams and the committee will have an easy day that day. But if Florida State loses, it kind of clears up a little bit because um, the Pac-12 champion will likely be Oregon. And then I don't know, maybe that's maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Washington will win twice. But Florida State is a roadblock to ease because it takes up a spot during a controversial time in which people might think they deserve one, even if they're undefeated. By the way, wholeheartedly agreed with your column, Dave. If you are undefeated, I don't care if you have P.B. Herman coming out there for your quarterback position. 
the games matter. They went undefeated. They're playing, and I covered a team that won a championship with their third-string quarterback. So they're going. Uh, if you're a team that's on the fence and wants them out, you're not going to get your wish. That's not the way it works. Undefeated Florida State gets in. Okay. To your favorite team in the entire country, not Texas Tech, Alabama uh, going on the road 10-1, and 7-0 and in the SEC, laying 14.5 against a Auburn team that just suffered one of the worst losses in program history. Um, could this get iron bowl squirrely or do you think Alabama just rolls tied? Okie doke coming here, Ari. The okie doke is coming here for two reasons. One, there is no such thing as a calm iron bowl crowd. Uh, I don't know if you saw Nick Saban was iron calling, bowl. was calling that out. That was good. Ari. Iron Did you see bowl. that Nick Saban was calling out Miss Terry? Uh, for yeah, rat poison two look, weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> looking ahead looking to at <laughs> that game was going to be really tough. Here's the thing with Auburn. Could you imagine okay? laying in bed next to your wife and like accusing her of looking ahead? Like my yeah. wife was like, what are we going to do for Christmas uh, celebration this year? And I said, you're looking ahead. Got, <laughs> that's rat poison for Thanksgiving. Like we got to focus yeah, exactly. on. <laughs> we got to execute. We got the plan. We got right. 15 Wassermans coming to my house. You're, you're worried about Christmas. We got about a dozen people coming to the oven household this week. It's going to be tough. Um, but no, did I you, think like, did you pre combination. Did you, did you pre order your food? No, that was a big make, deal well, for you. So, well, the turkey was the only issue. I I put this out to the hive mind on Twitter. I so I didn't want to do the whole turkey thing. I've never been responsible for a for, for a full turkey. So I did. I didn't want to do the whole thing. My smoker is currently on the injury list. It's day to day with a messed up igniter, and it's just it's rainy. It's cold. I don't smoke as much. In the fall, just I can't do the fall Saturdays like where I don't, you know, I'm watching college. You football. blaze more in the summer. Yeah, yes, definitely. <laughs> in, the summer, in the summer, I'll be, I'll, I'll use it a lot more. Um, but anyway, we may have to be in a replacement situation. We got to figure this out. But anyway, my wife doesn't really like smoked turkey, so we're. So I ended up buying a uh, like cooked one that you have to put in the oven for like three hours. But when we're making some of the stuff tomorrow, um. And then some of the family stuff is some of the families bringing other stuff. So anyway, all that to say, I think we've figured out the turkey situation. It's not going to be the whole, you know, got to do everything. But, you know, regardless. Anyway, um, this is going to be nervy because I think the, the, the biggest pratfall, Ari, in like lines and all this stuff is the overreaction, right? And everyone thinks, oh, Auburn. They lost to New Mexico State, who's a good team, it should be noted, last week. Don't make this excuses. Is same, this is all this is the same Auburn team that beat an Arkansas team in Fayetteville 48-10 to two weeks ago. Auburn is okay. They're not very good, but they're not that bad. And this is a huge game. This is way too many points. Okie doke coming here. Auburn pushes them. I think Alabama gets the job done here. But on the road at Auburn, I think people just are dismissing Auburn because of last week and laughing in their faces. And don't get me wrong. That was very embarrassing, but I think you're going to get a very motivated Auburn team and a team that is like more competent than people think they are. I thought it was crazy to fire Gus Malzahn when they did. Did you really? Ari. Well, okay. here's the reason. No, no, let me no, no, let me no, tell no, you no, the reason. No, 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 no. I got to tell no, you the reason no, before you would disagree with me. No, I'm going to disagree with you right now, Ari. You cannot get mad at me for saying that it's insane that Ohio State wants to talk about firing Ryan Day for losing to Michigan when they were right on the precipice of a national title. 
and then sit here at Auburn. You're going to feel two, foolish in a second. Which has won two national titles and then roll your eyes at them firing a guy who keeps losing four games every year. The reason why I think it's, it was a little nuts <laughs> is that Gus Malzahn harbored one important skill set for Auburn. So does their current coach, Ari. So does their current coach. inexplicable ability to continually and regularly beat Alabama in years in which Alabama is great. This is and why they hired. This is like a, that's like 30% of why they hired so here's, but But rivalry games matter more than regular games. Now, that doesn't mean that you can lose four to crappy teams. And I understand why they got rid of Gas Malzahn, but they paid him the second highest buyout now in the history of college football. And you better make damn sure that you find somebody that can beat Alabama with semi-regularity. And we're going to find out whether or not Hugh Freeze's program is up to the task of at least keeping this one competitive. I'm not going to jump to conclusions here and say Freeze was a miss if they lose, but you fired a coach that has already illustrated an ability to do what is impossible for everybody else, and that is to beat Alabama. And I'm not saying it's every year or every other year, but certainly regular enough and in a, in inexplicable ways where it's like, you better think long and hard about what you're doing here um, before you make that decision. So we'll see. I don't know what the program would look like if they didn't hire Brian Harson directly after because Brian Harson just torpedoed the roster. Yeah. But like, well, he didn't, he, he, he brought in a guy in the sec who did not understand sec recruiting. Yeah. Way. I still not sure. And nothing. he still, and he still almost beat Alabama. I think that was two years ago. That was a crazy game. The, uh, the karate kid game, um, of which I tried to pry the Alabama players into explaining the karate kid. I still never got an explanation for that. That seemed to, it was like a bright shooting star where it was ever, ever present in Alabama games for like one off season or one like postseason, And then we didn't see it ever again, but, uh, yeah. So listen, Here's the other factor of this game, and then we're going to move on. And if you're listening, we will get to Ohio State, Michigan. We're saving it Maybe. for later in the show because it's a listening tactic. We might not talk about it at all, are you? Wouldn't it be crazy that. if it was like, thank you for joining us. Yeah. We'll catch you guys after the game. <laughs> <laughs> just like, or just give like a, do it in the speed round at the end. It's like Ohio State, yeah. Michigan. Who do you got? Like, yeah, I'll, t- I'll take Ohio State or Michigan. Um, are we sure that Alabama's warts are 100% healed and gone? No, because I'm sometimes not. if they do have warts that we have forgotten about while they've played awesome in other games, they tend to kind of rear their ugly heads in rivalry situations where you're on the road in the other team. There's a reason why Miss Terry was 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 up at night in bed thinking about this. Like mm-hmm. I I think and it's I don't think I would ever bet this in real life because it would just be a miserable experience, but if I have to pick it on the show, I think I'm taking the points here. Yeah. Smart man, Ari. Smart man. You might understand the SEC after all, Ari, even though you just. I covered an SEC team for 10 years. (laughs) It's true. You just. You're the one one acting like you don't understand the SEC. All right. When you're like freaking out about Ryan Day. We had this argument in the offseason. I'm not saying that fans should be okay with losing to Michigan. I'm not suggesting that at all. I'm just suggesting that firing a guy who came within a field goal of a national championship is maybe not the fix. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I agree with that rational take. Now, what about well, the other 12 turn, minutes? To, but that's not what you said for 12 minutes. Yes, it is. I have all these angry Ohio State fans hitting me up being like, 
I don't I don't understand how you don't understand that the Michigan game means more. I get it. I get it. Believe me, I get it. I'm just saying that you're focusing too much on the Michigan game and not on, you know, being that close to winning a national the last championship time Ohio State, program actually is. The last time Ohio State fired a very, very good head coach because he couldn't win the Michigan game, mm-hmm. the rivalry flipped and Ohio State became a national power. It's just that is out there. But we'll, we'll get to that game in a little bit. Egg Bowl. Ole Miss 9-2, and 5-2 and two in the SEC, laying 10.5 on the road at Mississippi State, who is playing for bowl eligibility at 5-6. and six. They are 1-6 in the SEC. The over-under is 55 and a half, um, and this game is on Thanksgiving evening. I have a quick Thanksgiving question for you, Ari. Yes, sir. <laughs> in my family, we always did Thanksgiving like a late-ish lunch, 1.30, 2 o'clock. Give enough time to prep in the morning, but it's still lunch. I have married into a family that does Thanksgiving dinner at like 6 p.m. That's they bizarre. Thank you. Thank okay. you, Ari. <laughs> yeah. This, I, listen, the first Thanksgiving year, isn't a day where meals are identified. It's just you eat all day. <laughs> yes. But like the actual Thanksgiving meal, we're in Texas yeah. and we are correlating Thanksgiving meal around the beginning of the Dallas Cowboy game, which I think is at 3 yes. or 3.30. Yeah, the second game. You're cooking and getting You're ready cooking while the and Lions eating appetizers. are getting beaten. You're getting your little, yeah, yeah, yeah. You watch the, well, the Lions are awesome this year. They're dude. good this year. Well, they'll, they yeah. might find a way to lose this game. But anyway. Regardless, uh, yeah, no, it's Thanksgiving. What do you do all day then? Just like hang out and then start. Co- listen, listen, this is an argument we had in my household like three years ago. And I just I've I've ceded to it is what it is at this point. It's it's, it's bizarre. Insane. I don't like it. I don't like it. But regardless, you're supposed to eat is. to your full and then hit the leftovers like at 11 p.m. And then go to bed like a savage. That's what that's you're supposed to do. most. See, my and also my family. They're a early sleeping people. I'm not particularly. But so when we would be back in Arkansas, I would traditionally watch either Texas or Texas A&M or Ole Miss and Mississippi State. And much of the household was asleep by the time this was like at halftime. We're going to be like eating. So I'll have to like, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to watch a ton of this. But that said. I mean, I don't know about you. I'm like full before the meal starts because I'm eating the. You know, the charcuterie and the or whatever. Or like the, the, what is that? They got the mushroom caps and all the things that they put out. You got the crackers. Yeah. The not cheese. a charcuterie guy. But yeah, I don't yeah. know if it's charcuterie was the right thing. I don't know. We have all, like, there's food out constantly. My mother-in-law makes, she takes two pieces of asparagus and puts cream cheese in it and then wraps it in white bread and then bakes it. That might sound weird to you. It is insane. I like good. all of those things. I'm sure that I'm sure it's good, but why is there not like a bacon or ham involved in that? Uh Jews. We're Jews. Oh, yeah. My bad, Harvey. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not that we keep kosher, it's just like ham isn't have isn't been a staple in our in our yeah. house. And like the, I grew uh, up in a house where my mother never cooked us bacon once because she just Jews don't buy bacon. Yeah. The I um, like bacon, but this is a weird rivalry, Ari. I think you've seen enough Egg Bowls. The P game, in which both coaches got fired, was a classic. Our colleagues, Max Olson and Bruce Feldman, wrote about the uh, nuclear bomb of coaching changes that uh, came from that Egg Bowl game. Shout out to uh, Elijah Mitchell. Or Elijah Moore, excuse me. But man. The dog Mississippi, Mississippi State has perhaps never be- before seen... 
levels of juice in this rivalry. I just, I know you're playing for bowl eligibility, but your coach is fired. I just, ah. Which has got to be see. like one of the most savage firings in the history of college football, too. Not right? really. It's a complicated situation. I don't know, situation. man. You didn't even get him a I whole agree. year, and he took over for a man who passed no, away. I, I it's, did. It's, I agree. With, I actually agree with the firing. I think you have a guy who your team believes Whether or in, not you agree with it doesn't change whether it was savage or not. It's not savage. He was an interim coach without the interim tag. That's what it was, Sorry. He has a $4 million buyout with an offset. In the SEC, that's like, you're basically coaching for free. Yeah. And ultimately, he took them from a very good team, competent team. I mean, Mississippi State was getting punked a lot this year. I mean, there weren't like name your number games. They weren't like Colorado 2022, but they were, I mean, it was bad. It was bad, bad, bad. Uh, and you just can't have that. And also, you let have me, a new AD, the, Zach Selman, who didn't hire him. So let me Let me flip this a little bit. If Ole Miss wins and they're ten and two with a rivalry win and six and two in the SEC, is that Lane Kiffin getting Ole Miss to its ceiling? Pretty close. Pretty close. Like, is that and does that make him a hot commodity elsewhere? I, I feel like one of the most underrated things in college football is can you hire a coach that got his previous team to its ceiling? Like that to me is like is like a you never well, ever ask that. You you see Lane com- complaining a little bit about the recruiting. And the collective situation, and I don't think he'd make. I don't. I don't think him and A and M would be a great marriage. But if they get to that point, and if there, if that gets real, I think it's why Elaine would listen. You know, I, I think he was skeptical, and there are some lifestyle reasons for for not taking the Auburn job as well. But A and M is different than Auburn. It just is. Um, you know, Auburn, you're always going to be playing uphill, and Auburn has done a great job of getting to its ceiling, which apparently is winning a national title. But it's been very hard Multiple to sustain times. that. Yeah, and it's been very but it's been very hard to sustain that. Well, that's why um, it's been Jekyll and Hyde with them all those years. Yeah, yeah. You get these I mean, I think that like the national championship seasons are the bigger exception than the bad seasons. Like they shouldn't yeah, be great. Bit. Yeah. Yeah. And they I I, yeah. I think that that's a weird marriage in a lot of ways, but I could see it being attractive for that reason is that it's tough to see Ole Miss getting a lot better than this. But I do think Juiceless Mississippi State here. I, I think Ole Miss wins this game and wins it big. I as much as I would love to see an insane Thanksgiving night egg bowl, I suspect this will be not <coughs> a football game. But we might get some some Thanksgiving night grab ass or funny celebrations or something because the game always seems Probably. to be off the reservation crazy. Yes, usually. <laughs> um, I think that this is an easy easy pick here. I'm going to go Ole Miss minus ten and a half, but don't rule out something bizarre happening in the game. Yeah. Yeah. Into the next game, Dave. Bear down, Arizona. Bear down, red and blue. Bear down, Arizona. Gotta work on that. They gotta work on the fight song. Yeah, the this fight is... song's weak, but they are the Pac twelve okay, South champions and they are still <laughs> alive technically in mm-hmm. the race for the Pac twelve championship game. I'm covering that game. I don't hope that happens because I want a compelling Pac-12 matchup that will be the determining factor of which team gets in to the college football playoff. But if Oregon loses to Wash or to Oregon State and Arizona beats ASU, Arizona is going to Vegas to play Washington in the Pac-12 championship game. They're laying 11 and a half. I remember two years ago, I think it was two years ago when they lost like 78 to nothing or something. I don't know. It was like insane. Uh, that was basically the game you like, that, that got someone out of there, if I recall. Yes. Is this 
the last game of the Jed Fish era at Arizona. Yeah, but that's okay. Sad. Don't 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 cry because it's over. Smile because it happened. <laughs> what happened? They went nine the and Jed, three. The Jed Fish era. Yes. Uh, yeah, no, I know, but it didn't happen to its full extent yet. When's the last time Arizona won nine games? They've won a BCS bowl. Did they win more than nine? I mean, games the Khalil Tate year? years, they went to a BCS game. Um, did, I think did they win that, nine games that year? I think they had to have. Yeah, maybe. I remember them being very. I don't know flawed, enough about Arizona to remember. Uh, I just remember they were really fun to watch. Khalil Tate is still on the short list of most fun college football players. Like him and Rich Rod was like that is a don't be sad that it's over smile that it happened moment because that was like a flash yeah. in the pan. Yeah, and I don't know. I think he was ruined later on in his career, but he was. We won't get to that. I, I don't want to. I don't want to think about them ruining Khalil Tate. It's. I still am kind of mad about that. They had but. ten wins in 2014. <laughs> okay. So you can get to that again. You win this game. You win a bowl game. Uh, Ari, how did you feel about Arizona State or Arizona celebrating a Pac-12 South title this week? You like it? Feels it? pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of. I I I think I'm kind of with them on this. I'm okay with it. I I don't love it, but well, what's the pros and cons? Well, don't put up a banner. Please don't put up a banner. You can't do that. You can acknowledge that you did something that in most years would be a thing. You'd be playing for a Pac-12 title. You'd be playing Washington. Oregon would be... They'd need a lot of help to get in the playoff. And you'd be playing spoiler for the Pac-12. How is this any different than what UCF did? What are you talking about, Ari? No. I just wanted to, tr- I just wanted to trigger you. I'm sorry. <laughs> you, well, you succeeded. I almost lost it. <laughs> Sometimes people just it. want to watch the word burn. You went nuts. I, I win. I could not no, believe I, you said it's, that. It's kind of corny, but like, let them have fun. I don't know. I like, I like them acknowledging it. Just don't, don't put up a banner or anything. You can't do that. I can't figure out Arizona State this year, Ari. They, like, half the time they don't even show up. No, Here's I a good way to handle it. Okay. They're a team that has no good players that plays inexplicably hard for their new head coach who's very yeah. passionate and wants to turn yeah. the place around. And that sometimes means that passion and energy and buying in turns into a solid four quarters of football, and then sometimes it's a disaster. Um, and that's what you get when you don't have very good players. So, like, I mean, who's their quarterback? Well, Rashada was my, warming up last week. Uh, did Borgay play? I didn't watch the game. Do you know that Borgay is my best friend from... One of my best friends from high school's nephew. Interesting. You got some weird Arizona ties. I feel like Arizona is not unlike my home state of Arkansas, in which everyone's sort of connected to everyone at some point. Yeah, I don't know if that's the case because everybody in Arizona is from somewhere else. But Mm -hmm. um, it was just kind of funny because I remember during Borgay's recruitment, he was like texting me like, hey, you should write about him and stuff. (laughs) Did you? As a good as a good. No, I didn't. Um, (laughs) I, I believe yeah, he was a two-star tough. athlete, so I mean, I'm not, I'm not a magic man, but yeah. it, it is. I would, I would an like to have seen an Arizona State team with a healthy Rashada because the, when he's played, he's made some throws where you're just like, okay, like this dude's got yeah. something. This dude's got. I don't something. know that he would have been the difference for this team, but maybe no, they have something have later them, on. He would have made them fun. He would have grown up a little bit. He would have made them a little bit feistier. Uh, I like Scadabo. He's a fun player, uh, but I. Arizona, I just think they're going to be too tough to defend here. 11 is not that many points, even on the road. I don't know what the crowd's going to be like for this one. You got Thanksgiving. You know, Arizona State doesn't have a lot of juice right now. Um, so I, I'll, I'll take Arizona here. Uh, Are you like, the points. 
poo-pooing on the passion that comes along with a duel in the desert? Like, is that what I'm hearing right now? That's what you're hearing. It's the greatest rivalry in college football. The Territorial Cup, I know. Yeah. Can you stop, like, downplaying my alma mater's chances of being great? Like, you not <laughs> wa- are you, like, afraid of them getting hot at the right time? They're hot already. They've won, like, <laughs> seven games don't in let a them, row. Don't let Arizona get hot. Okay, we've got two. Let's just quickly touch on Washington and Washington State before we get into the, the show's finale, which is um, Washington State, five and six, two and six, have fallen off significantly since they kicked the crap out of Arizona. Um, Washington, obviously 11 and 0, 8 and 0. Apple Cup, this isn't a bedlam situation where, uh, you know, you're getting a rivalry for the last time. They have extended it for five more years. Um, we're going to keep getting it. Can we get it. a round of applause for the ADs, by the way? Yeah. Thank you, guys. It's not, it's, it can be done. Know. Iowa and Iowa State do it. Florida, Florida State do it. Clemson, South Carolina do it. Georgia, Georgia Tech do it. It can be done. Do this. Do not let these in state rivalries die. I. Don't see how this game is anything other than a Washington easy win. And then that solidify. I I honestly am rooting for Washington. I'm rooting for Oregon. I want that Pac-12 game to be everything that it can be, especially considering the fact that I'm going to it. Um, I don't see a route, especially considering the fact that it's in Washington, in Seattle, where this game is close enough to get nervy. Washington State's been a weird team to to figure this year. Um. Washington's been had some weird performances. This seems like too many points to me, even on the road. Uh, you know, I don't want to overreact to last week. I think Colorado is a a broken football team in the at the moment, an injured football team. It should also be noted. But I think Cam Ward is feisty enough to make some plays here, and I don't love Washington's defense. It's part of the reason why I think Oregon's a better team. So for a team that struggles defensively in a rivalry game, seventeen points. It's too many. It's too many. Give me the Cougs. Give me the Cougs. Um, yeah. I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know. I guess going into, can you have a hangover before conference championships? Like, what is not a hangover? A look ahead? Rat poison? Probably not in a rivalry game. And your last rivalry game is conference uh, mates. Probably not. Okay, let's just get to it, guys. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> the Ohio State Michigan game. Mm-hmm. Go. Is this bigger than 2006? Sorry. 2006, Bo Schembechler died like the day before the game started. Yeah. But in 2006, Ohio State was wire to wire number one and beat number twos twice that year. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this, if I would say bigger, here's the thing I said on Ralph's show and the thing that I think is true in sports, we have rivalries and in these rivalries, the fans hate each other, but I do think it's rather rare for the coaches to hate each other. Well, it happens. TCU Baylor is about as good as it gets. I can't recall any other instance where a head coach of one team in the rivalry undermined the entire resume of the other coach that is in the rivalry publicly the way that Jim Harbaugh did two years ago. Like, I don't think there's anything coming back from the third base comment that he made. I think Ryan Day despises Jim Harbaugh, and I think Jim Harbaugh and people in Michigan, like, attribute everything that's going on to the, to uh, Michigan, to Ohio State because of some weird reporting. That went on about like who where the genesis of this was. 
Um, I also don't care about that, just for the record. No, I know, but I'm saying, like, you're asking me about the rivalry. I'm just saying, like, yeah. they're going into this game with animosity on both sides to the likes of which we don't see in sports. Yeah, this will be as even if you go back, as we've seen. Even if you time. go back in time to the, the 10-year war with, between Woody Hayes and Bo Schembechler, they were, like, secretly really close and, and good friends. You know, mm-hmm. like, they, they had a lot of respect for each other. I don't think that Ryan Day respects Harbaugh, and I don't think Harbaugh respects Ryan Day. Mm-hmm. So you have that. You have the Spygate thing. You have the fact that Jim Harbaugh's not there. You have the Big Ten championship on the line and a playoff line, not to mention that Ohio State is in desperation mode. They can't lose three in a row to Michigan, especially considering the fact of everything that's going on here, like the compelling storylines that go along with this in combination with the animosity that exists between the two programs is peak college football rivalry nirvana, is it not? I cannot wait for this game, Ari. Like, I'm, I've, like, literally... At different points in every day, Sunday, Monday, today's Tuesday, I think about it this morning, I have thought to myself, I'm so excited for this game. <laughs> it's so awesome. I am. I think like, that you it, can make the case that this is peak college football in its yes. like, purest form. It's got everything. Two legitimately great teams. It, the hilarity of the Connor Stallions sideshow. The actual malice and like issue of the cheating that happened the michigan trying to validate itself in that hey we didn't thrive the last two years because we cheated ohio state trying to get the uh cheaters out of the playoff discussion and then also beat a rival and then also jim harbaugh like you said is not there to witness it it really is like the levels upon levels upon levels upon levels of this game. I mean, I I cannot wait to watch this game. And Ralph I, asked me, he asked me on the AP show that I was doing before this, what's the most compelling storyline that could come out of the game? Like, who wins to make it the most compelling? And I had a hard time answering that. Yeah, too. I think every single, every single option is almost equally compelling. A close Ohio State loss, a close Michigan State loss, or Michigan loss, a blowout on either side would be uh i feel like maybe a michigan blowout well i don't know the michigan blowout would would result in a level of gloating and told you so-ness that i don't think college football has ever seen <laughs> i like every outcome is fascinating and and compelling and I just there because like, like I can't wait. Everybody's so hyper focused on Michigan and what they may or may not have done mm-hmm. that we're forgetting that if they end up winning the game, that might like cool the Jets a little bit on the Spygate thing. But then Ryan Day is in a personal inferno, uh, yeah, in the embodiment of hell. Um, mm-hmm. And then if Ohio State beats the crap out of Michigan, then all of a sudden you're ramped up on what happened there. Mm-hmm. Um, but if Michigan wins, then Michigan goes into the playoff with the Spygate stuff hanging over their head still, and it continues. Um, and if Ohio State wins, then what happens to Jim Harbaugh after that? Like, there are like both angles. It's like back and forth, back and forth. Who's going to win? Who's going to, and what are the consequences of the loss going to mean? Um, so I'm going to say this here, Dave, because I don't want to spend a lot of time on the off the field stuff here. We've talked a lot about it. Mm-hmm. I find myself having the hardest time I've ever had picking a game. Because there are a lot of things in this game that I believe to be unquantifiable. Yeah. I have no idea what the last two years meant. I have no idea whether Ohio State 
Coach Ryan Day has a John Cooper Michigan problem or if it was a result of having an unfair disadvantage. I don't know um, how great J.J. McCarthy is going to be in a moment where he might need to be. I don't know if Kyle McCord is ready for this. I don't know how much of an impact Jim Harbaugh not being there is. I don't know Mm. all the things that have come into play. I don't know how much to read into the Maryland game. I have no freaking clue. And like I know on podcasts, we're supposed to give our best pick and we're supposed to be the experts. Buddy, I don't know if it's bad podcasting. I literally don't know what's going to happen. I do. My lock of the week is Ohio State, Michigan under 45 and a half. <laughs> <laughs> is that your lock of the week? That's my lock of the week, officially. My lock of the week is under 45 and a half. Listen, uh, I, I don't... do, but we're talking about who's going to win, but that's funny. That's a funny segue. Now, who's going to win? I, I'm with you, Ari. I don't know. I really don't know. I think this will come down. This will be a close game. Uh, most of the first two months of the season, I was pretty certain we are on the railroad tracks to another Ohio State beatdown. And then I've watched the last month. Ohio State's looked pretty good. Michigan has looked shaky. And as we noted with Austin Meek on our Sunday sound off, weighed down by all of this. Does that go away? When you can just play between the lines, how much does it matter that your head coach is not there, although he is prepping you for the week? Um, What does Sharon Moore's decision-making look like in a game like this? Can you just coach football? Or when you're, are you thinking about how magnified every decision that you make, every fourth down, every field goal, um, every, you know, play call? How much does that, I, I don't know. Um, but I know that I can't wait to watch this game. I mean, you're right, Ari. This is college football at its absolute best. First time um, all year where we are going live no matter what happens. Yes. Like, that's that's where we're at with this. Mm-hmm. Michigan 49, Ohio State 3, Ohio State 49, Michigan 3, Ohio State 17, Michigan 16, Michigan Whatever. 17, Ohio State 16. It is banana land. Um, and I cannot wait to watch it. And. Um, I'm very interested in the notion that oh, Michigan is kind of trying to play a game for its reputation a little bit. Yeah. Of like, if you win the game, then do we, does it undermine the entire thing that we've been talking about for the past month? Um, or if they win the game, is their national championship run tainted? I think all of these things that are coming into play here are all fascinating. And like the columns are going to be flowing, I think next week <laughs> i think if and you if, if ohio state wins this game by double digits which i think is possible that's the worst case scenario for michigan obviously yeah because i think it calls into question everything that we've seen the last and two everything seasons. they've done the last two years yeah i don't think that invalidate is a fair word but i think it will be viewed differently it just will yeah so like the stakes i think are higher for michigan and I, think I mean, the they're sta- pretty high for everybody. I mean, I if know, you lose high this for, game, yeah. like Ohio State may have to hit that giant reset button on their entire program, which again. But not giant enough to talk about the head coach? I, I think you catch actually, yourself there, Dave? No, I didn't. Okay. Here's the thing. I think that Austin actually hit on a very interesting point okay. in all of this, which is that Ohio State is much more, it would seem, on paper, a lot can happen in an off season. Something that I hadn't really thought about, um, which is that Ohio State is is much more sustainable to me. Michigan's program is going to be in a weird spot. You're losing a ton of NFL talent. You're probably 
you know, going to be looking for a new coach after this season. I would bet pretty good money on that. And if you lose this game and you don't change anything, if you're Ohio State, you keep hoping Kyle McCord gets more experience, you keep all your schemes. You know what I think happens next year, Ari? I think Ohio State beats Michigan. I think they're a playoff team, and they'll be in the well, mix yeah, the national everyone's championship. a playoff team next year. Okay. Don't they say are, playoff team like it's an accomplishment say, anymore. I'm going to stop. You got to teach you're yourself right. that. You're yeah. actually right, Ari. I'm going to stop using that phrase. Well, yeah. for like some teams, I think it's a compliment. Yes. But for Ohio State, it's not a compliment. <laughs> for Penn State, it's a compliment, which is <laughs> yeah. the problem. Yeah, yeah, Okay, yeah, sorry. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, okay. but you're a national title contender, and I get yeah. <laughs> all of those things, and I just... I, I pointed the camera. Don't say that anymore. Yeah. Uh, I just think Ohio State, I'm not going to say it's crazy because it's not crazy. I think ill-advised if you lose this game I'm to, not blow saying, up, to blow it up. I'm not saying that he should be fired if they lose. I think that you're, you're strongly intimating. No, it, no, 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 no. I'm not saying I don't know that I believe that he should be fired. I take exception to your inability to understand why it would be a discussion point. I know I get that it's a discussion okay. point. I'm discussing it. I'm saying don't do it. I'm saying they probably the other won't. stuff does matter. Well, if the, if if Ohio State is as SEC as you say, they probably will. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, I, I you see like the A and M rumor mill on Twitter right now is like pumping Ryan Day to the College Station really hard. Yeah, that's not. And I find that to be really I, I think funny. I would, I think I would consider it if I was Ryan Day, but at the end of the day, I wouldn't actually do that. So. If Ryan Day loses a third one, I would go. Will a and want you? I'm, we're, this is a fake scenario. He's not going there. But if yeah. A&M backed up the Brinks truck after they lost to a Michigan for the third time and said, hey, you can start hit reset on your thing. We'll pay you a king's ransom, and you can take over a program that has all the NIL and resources that you could possibly need to be good. I think that the amount of money that would be at play there, plus the fact that you would go into the following year with a beat Michigan or you're gone mentality. Mm-hmm. I think that like the reset button of like you get to start from square one and get three years at a new place that's paying you a boatload of money is a nice way to stay employed. Um, that said, if Ryan Tate beats Michigan on Saturday, like I think that you should write like an apology letter for doubting him if you're an Ohio State fan because like listen we talked about how important rivalry games are stacking big rivalry games like the bigger instances of the rivalry I think equates to more um cachet does that make sense like beating Michigan this year is a bigger feather in his cap than beating him next year or it would have been beating them two years yeah, ago. Yeah, I agree. If you win That's the fair. biggest, if you win the biggest additions of the already big rivalry, like it's possible that Ryan Day just might have gotten a bad deal here when it comes to like facing the best version. Like Urban Meyer beat the crap out of Michigan. Mm-hmm. Urban Meyer didn't play a Michigan teams that were nearly as good as the three that Ryan Day's had to. Yes. Yes. And then on top of it, we don't know if they had drones at the practice field. So like it's. There's a, it's a very complex situation, but if Ohio State wins this football game, I think Ryan Day probably has a clean ticket to be Ohio State's coach for the next well, five sure. plus years for a long time. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm very curious in what Michigan decides to do. Um, I would get, you know, if 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 Harbaugh leaves, uh, which that if is shrinking, 
by the day. I think I would understand the continuity and maybe go with Sharon more, but I, I think a splashy hire would be interesting. Um, and a reboot, I think there has to be a toughness there. I think Harbaugh just made so much sense for Michigan in so many ways, but um, it's just an interesting spot for both programs. And it, it I think what, what we're what we're talking around, Ari, is that this game is the perfect marriage of so many things that happen inside the white lines affecting so many things that happen outside the white lines. Perception and so many things outside of the white lines that might be impacting the things inside the white lines. And I'm not even talking about spying. I'm talking about Ryan Day's temperament as a coach. Ohio State had a stark talent advantage and a lot of the losses that they had in the 90s when John Cooper was the head coach and they lost games because their coach got tight and didn't know how to prepare for the game without winding his team up. And then all of a sudden you're down 7-3 in the first quarter and that old familiar feeling starts creeping back up of it's happening again, it's happening again. Then you start playing tighter and you know what happens? You spontaneously can bust and you lose. And it's like Mm -hmm. if Ryan Day has that that disaster trait to him where he treats this game differently or isn't loose or isn't confident or whatever personality trait that a coach takes on during the week that is contagious to his team, that is a cancer that can't exist as Ohio State's coach. And that's the problem. It's not one game or how much, uh, you know, how close you were to winning a national championship. You can't have a coach that doesn't operate well in the rivalry. And that's the discussion point. So I think this is the biggest game of Ryan Day's career. And I think you can make the case it might be even bigger to him personally than the national championship game he played in during COVID. Do you think that you're like giving me a head nod? They got their ass kicked and no one cared. It was just what happened. Alabama was great. Yeah. They lost yeah. to an Alabama team that kicked their ass. There was no yeah. discussion point. I think you don't you think do that, bring you, up. What do you think losing the national championship game is going to have any has no, no comparison you, to do, the personal implications of this for him? I think you do bring up a a a interesting point because the things that you talk about, Ari, where <clears throat> Um, oh, well, he's, you know, he's, he's just great. Um, or, or, uh, you know, he gets tight and, uh, these issues happen or they're losing these games. I don't believe any of that stuff happened to Ryan Day the last two years. I think they played a team that was better on the line of scrimmage. They got pushed around both years and you have to build around that. And I think the point that you made, which is that's not organic though, because it happens over time gradually. I know you lose one, you lose two. Then all of a sudden you don't think that he's, he's wound up like a top this week. You think he's going to enjoy his Thanksgiving lunch? Probably it's good food. If you get enough sweet potato casserole, he needs the tryptophan to kind of take a relaxing, you know, he needs an afternoon nap, but like, you don't think that this guy is at the end of his rope right now? Somewhat, but I think that you, it has to matter. It has to matter that urban Meyer went toe to toe with, uh, Brady Hoke and uh was he still it was he still there uh did Ur- Urban Riders? never lost to Michigan I know that that's my okay. point though that's my point he went toe to toe with like Brady Hoke and was he there at Rich Rod at the end of Rich Rod I, I can't recall it, yeah I mean Close. the first the first editions of the game were tough but he was there uh I think he was f- four no no he was what was his he was seven and zero against Michigan, 
Yes. And I think that he uh, he gave Harbaugh his first five losses. Harbaugh was okay. 0 and 5 against against him and I think that the first two were against Hoke. Yeah, okay. Well, so probably not when Rich Rod was there. So, I think that matters to some degree and I think that the Michigan teams, like you said, I'd be curious to see Urban's teams go up against some of these Michigan teams. Do we really think that the results would have been the same? At some point, you have to recognize that these games don't happen in a vacuum. Other teams change. Other teams improve. And the challenge changes. It doesn't mean Ryan Day is terrible or we got to get rid of this guy or we'll never be great with this guy or he gets too wound up. Well, I think that up, the problem that Ohio State fans are having, and you're like, you don't understand it. It drives me insane. I do understand it, but I'm saying it's perception. It's Ohio State has been a better football team than Michigan the last two years and has gotten its ass kicked. What don't you understand about that? I do understand that. Okay, but I'm I don't, telling you very simple. that sometimes perception is reality. And in this case, perception is not reality. You the, perception is, the perception is that Ryan Day has not won this game. His team's gotten pushed around, bullied in this game two years in a row. And that means that we have to make a change, and Ryan Day is not that guy. And I'm telling you that I'm not sure there are that many coaches who you could hire that would have a better result and a better and make Ohio State a better program than Ryan Day has done to Ohio State. I get all the questions. They're all fair. But the line but between better program and and is very thin when you look at it from like the macro perspective. Yeah. But when you lose the rivalry game, they aren't the best program in the Big Ten East anymore. And that is a huge Mediterranean Sea gap. But they will like, be it, next like the year. Way, they I will know, be next year. I they lost they will, their Ari. crown as the best program in the Big Ten. And that and is what one game does. Yeah, and they're going to get it back next year. I don't know, man. Seven and five will. Michigan teams have beaten Ohio State historically all the time. It happened throughout John Cooper's tenure. I'm just saying, it's like, it's not a, well, next year they're going to win. No problem. <laughs> like, that's not, <laughs> not the way no this problem, works. But you're going to be great next year. And Michigan is probably going to take a step back. So You're who do you think is who do you think is going to win? Gut, like my head says, probably Ohio State. My gut says Michigan, with all that's at stake here at home, that's going to be tough to win that game. I don't know. I, I guess I'm going to take Michigan with the points because it's over three and a half. I mean, take Ohio State with none of the points because it's over three and a half. I would probably go. I think I'd probably go Ohio State money line maybe, and and the the under is still my lock of the week though. This is going to be uh, a game with not a lot of points. I don't know. I'm not going to make a pick. I don't know. <laughs> I if I had to make a pick, I would pick Michigan because they've earned that. I think yeah. we. I think they've earned it. I, until Ohio State wins again, I'm not going to pick them because all the reasons why I would want to pick Ohio State this year are the same things that existed the last two years and weren't good enough. And now they're going on the road and they're playing a highly motivated team that's trying to win the Big Ten and make the playoff, you know, again for the third consecutive year. I think Ohio State is probably a more talent is a more talented and probably a as good or not better of a football team with dynamic athletes that can break open a game like this. But I can't in good faith pick them to win mm -hmm. right now. I think that if I had to take take a side, I'd probably take the points 
because having three and a half is comforting in a game that you think is going to go under and is an I don't know scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I have to log a pick, I'm going to say Michigan wins. Um, but that said, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not going to pretend like I do. So, um, okay. There are a few games that we just need to just pick a side on real quick. Tulane, 10 and one, um, on the road at UTSA, who, uh, it's one of it's the hot. three, what is it, one of the three unbeaten teams in the American right now. UTSA got off to a terrible start in part because Frank Harris was hurt. Even without Zakari Franklin, Frank Harris has been on fire. Absolutely lit the world up last week uh, in a national uh, spotlight game. I like UTSA to pull the upset here, beat a two-lane team uh, here, and and get the win and stay undefeated. <coughs> Frank Harris is really good. He's extremely good. What do you think uh, about the, the the trailer to A&M, the way he's handled the questions about it? Not very good. Um Wait, what's the acceptable way matters. for somebody in his position to respond to, did you interview at Texas A&M? The, no, it's not about responding to the question. The que- if you're going to act indignant at the questions about, oh, you're, you're taking the focus off of these guys, then don't interview. Then say, wait. That's all my point is. Just say, hey, I love my time here. I'm well supported here. I love my players. We're focused on this season. Um, Don't lie. Do not lie, coaches. Do not lie, but just say, hey, I love it here. I love my players. We're focused on making this season the best that we can make it. I think that's easier said than done. Don't well, interview. What, what, how would you handle it? No, did you I'm not, not watch saying Friday don't. Night, no, did you watch I'm Friday saying, Night Lights? They no, put, I'm they not put saying Coach don't Taylor interview. and a pressure cooker down there at UT Martin. I did, that's a good episode. Uh, <laughs> yeah. TMU, TMU. Yeah, I'm TMU, not saying yeah. don't interview, Ari. I'm saying you can't interview and then act indignant when people ask you about the interview and saying you're distracting from this player. You shouldn't ask about this. That's that's trash. That's my only point. Do you think he's the if guy? If you want to act like that. I think A&M will be lucky to have him if they end up there. He's not splashy enough. I think A&M fans would probably turn their nose up at him a little bit. Um, oh, we have UTSA's coach. I think he would do very well there. I think you really cannot understate the importance of having all of THSCA in your back pocket. If you have not lived in Texas, covered college football in Texas, covered some recruiting in Texas, the outside outsize is unfair. The gigantic influence that THSCA has, the Texas High School Coaches Association, and all the high school coaches in the state, if they love you, you're going to find it much easier to recruit. If you rub them the wrong way, which Jimbo did on multiple occasions, talking to a 7-on-7 coach like very early, 7-on-7 culture in Texas, it's very, very controversial. IMG, it's very, very controversial in the state of Texas. You've got to massage those relationships because they can hurt you. Yes, that's your recruiting base. You need all the Texas coaches to love you. And I think I got to tell you, though, Sark isn't the most popular coach in the state of Texas either. Yeah, but he hasn't done he hasn't stepped in it quite as bad as Jimbo did. I think that Texas doesn't recruit. This might be a stars matter topic, but I've Mm -hmm. done. And I don't know if this is fair because it's a really big state and I'm in Dallas. But I've done interviews with coaches here in the past that say they don't like the way that Sark goes about recruiting their players. Mm-hmm. In what way? Uh, what, what in, in a way that they don't. He makes zero effort to get to know the coaches, and I think they circumvent the coaching staff of the high schools, which is common. Yeah, um, they go well, directly not, to the kid. That's going to be tough to sustain. I'll just tell you. I think what what coaches really appreciate 
is when is you it, don't have players and, and, and somebody still stops by, maybe not the head coach, but somebody from the staff and just chops it up and says, hey, you know, you're welcome to our practices. You know, let's 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 coach football here and let's be about the kids. Coaches really appreciate that. If you have a really good player on your team that Texas wants, I would call every head coach personally if I were the Texas head coach, if a player on that team has an offer. And I don't think mm-hmm. he's done that. So that is Yeah. And and again, it might have just gotten to a few places that that didn't occur and he's really good at it. I'm just saying it's hard. I haven't, I've Max there's a Brown lot of it as well as anybody. It's it's a hard thing to do, but you have to like be like, you know what? Uh today is February third. That's a terrible day because it might be signing day. Today is February twenty sixth. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna spend my day as the head coach of Texas calling every high school coach I can get on the phone for a five minute conversation. Yes. If my if my team is offering a player that that coach has. I think, I think in that, general, it, I think in general you gotta do that. Yeah, listen, like, I think and the sh- reality of it is if you don't want to play politics, if you don't like that, and you don't think that that sounds good to you, and you don't want to mess with this high school coaches, the Texas and the AM job are not for you. That's and I think it that is. it exists in a lot of states, man. It, it's yeah, not but like- Texas it's more powerful because you can't circumvent it. Like like Dion dealt with this in Colorado. A lot of the Colorado coaches didn't like Dion. Well, you know what? It doesn't really matter. You don't have that many players. Well, Texas, the thing too about Texas you got, you is, is that you you have it's like having to do it at three in three states. It's three times as big yeah. as everybody else. So, like, if you're yeah. the head coach in Austin, you've got to own Dallas. If you're the head coach in Austin, you've got to own Houston. If you're the if you're the head coach in Dallas, you've got to own San Antonio. And then all the little towns in between that inexplicably produce amazing players. So mm-hmm. um, we are we are really really off course here. Sorry about that. Texas but it's recruiting is a fascinating. Yeah, yeah, like if you don't if you like you should do some reading on this. Sam Khan has written about it. I've written yeah. about it a bunch in the past. Like the amount of like just it's a complicated landscape. Seven on seven, the high school coaches. Like there's 13 FBS programs in the state. Like it's. It's a trip, man. It's a trip, and it is not easy to navigate for head coaches, but we'll save okay. that conversation for tomorrow. Um, you already gave your lock of the week. I am. It's Thanksgiving week, and I hope people will show me some grace. I did not <laughs> give Cam my lock of the week, but you know what it is, man? And I hate to do it because the episode's going to be up uh Is it the losing Wednesday? coach of Ohio State and Michigan doesn't return? It's is Bowling that your lock Green. of the week? It's Bowling Green minus two tonight, man. They are They've been really, a wagon. really good. Yeah. Shout I, out to I, Connor Bazelak. Yeah. Like Connor Bazelak is really good. Um, but the tight end that Bowling Green has, uh, Fannin Jr., Harold Fannin Jr., I think is a legitimate uh, big kid. Like NFL player. And mm-hmm. really kind of make and it was a rough loss in the gla- in the um they were at home last week, but it was a rough lost to Toledo in their rivalry game last week, mm-hmm. but I think they're a really good team for what they yeah. are. And um, going up against Western Michigan on the road tonight, it might be a tough test, but you know, six and five is not an indication of how good they are as a team. I think so. I wanted to give some, mm-hmm. you know, Daniel Garrett, here's a big Mac guy. I wanted to throw some, that's my lock of the week. We're going to know <clears throat> by the time you're listening, uh, whether or not that's the case, but Bowling Green has been, has at least paid for one month of my daughter's <laughs> daycare this year. <laughs> All right, well, should we hit LSU before we get to the rest of the Yeah, go ahead. Go, go, go do the LSU game. Listen, it's been a controversial topic, somewhat. But you know what LSU is doing right now, Ari? 
campaigning for their quarterback to win the Heisman? Hammering the pedal to the metal with, with, with Jaden Daniels. They know this season is lost. You know how you redeem a lost season, Ari? If you get a guy to New York City and maybe you win the Heisman Trophy. Do you? I think it helps. It helps. Because I actually think it's the opposite. It's like, oh, no, my God, you have the best player at, at the quarterback position in the entire country and you lost twice. But it helps I don't know, in terms man. of legacy. You can say, hey, year one, we won the SEC West. Year two, we had a Heisman Trophy winner. You can still kind of control the trajectory of your season a little bit. And it should be noted, you had a Heisman Trophy winner that you pulled out of the portal. That's your guy. Props to Brian Kelly. So regardless of the narrative purposes, LSU is going to score, score, score. They're trying to score, score, score. A&M does not have the horses to score, 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 even as bad as LSU's defense is. You're in Death Valley as well. Give me LSU. I will lay the points. If they got a chance to add a touchdown late, guess what? They're going to do it. Yeah, they are going to do it. Um, they they were they were racking it up. He's accusing Georgia you of State. stat padding. Stat padding. I didn't say it. I didn't say it. Stop them if you can. Do you have a sickos game of the week? It is UConn versus UMass. That's my, that was going to be mine. It can't be anything you, else. If you watch this, you have problems. <laughs> <laughs> well, last week I said that, and UConn uh, beat Sacred Heart thirty-one to three. So, yeah. Listen, if you watch this and you got you got some shekels on it, then I'm with you. Like I'll watch anything. I'll watch. You <laughs> should see you, the sporting events so many I'm good watching. Football and, games. Why well, would you, you put shekels? You feel on? you feel you feel pretty good about you know what do you mean? I, you should see my card every week. It's the weirdest games. None of the games <laughs> I bet usually are even on TV, or I mean, are on my TV when I'm. I just watch the game cast and Ari is an ESPN Plus hound over here. Yeah, I'm over here like <laughs> I watched a football game last year without a commentator. Like <laughs> I was like, <laughs> just like dry hacks at the you know. But you know, oh, um, yeah, that's the sickos game of the week. And then my trap tra- game, as previously yeah. mentioned, was UTSA beating Tulane. It's only a three point spread, so a trap game might not be the strongest one. But Tulane's playing for a New Year's Six Gold Bowl, a second in a row. I think UTSA puts some put some clamps on that plan. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good trap game. Mine might be Kentucky against Louisville. Um, that's a rivalry game, and I know yeah. you know Louisville's got their trip to Charlotte locked up. They're playing a game against an SEC opponent who I think has had a pretty bad year in comparison yeah. to what people hope. I for. can't believe Kentucky's as bad as they are. This but is it's it's that could it would not surprise me if Louisville took an L going into the ACC yeah. championship game. If Kentucky not, is Kentucky has a, the talent to be so much better than they are, I don't really know why they're this bad. And like you said, if they if they go up and beat Louisville. Like they have, they have better weapons than Louisville does. But Devin Leary kind of being the weak link has not been something that I anticipate. Like Ray Davis has been great, the receivers have been pretty good. Devin Leary has not been very good this year, and I, I that's been very very surprising to me. And I you think Kentucky, you made the case that it was one of the most impactful portal acquisitions of the offseason? Yeah, I thought Kentucky was going to have the season that Missouri has had, basically. Yeah, that's kind of how I pegged. pegged but you didn't go to college at Kentucky, so maybe you're that's the true. missing link. That's true. Maybe I should have. Yeah. Lastly, and then we're going to go, but it is Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. I have to ask you, what is your ideal dish for Thanksgiving that you have to have as part of your event? <laughs> so I go, I'm going to go plate here because I like turkey is a flawed meat. I think we can all agree with this. There's a reason we only eat it a couple times a year. 
I eat it all the time on sandwiches. sandwiches. Yeah. Well, but you can do like deli meat. You don't do the full turkey, right? No, that's that's pretty rare. We don't make it, full turkeys. No. Yeah, exactly. It needs an accompaniment. And what I like to do is I like to double fist the accompaniment. I go sweet potato casserole and then the cranberry sauce and eat them with the turkey to give it a little bit of flavor diversity as I'm eating it. So like one bite is turkey and, and sweet potato casserole. And next bite is turkey and cranberry sauce. And then all of the other things that go with it. The stuffing is great. Uh, mashed potatoes and gravy. Great. All of these things. There's a little bit heavy on the starch, but I just push through and go with the sweet potato casserole and the mashed potatoes. There's no such thing as heavy on the starch. I think the <laughs> most important side dish that has to be on every Thanksgiving table and the best one is stuffing. And the reason why is because it's legitimately delicious. It's very good. You, it's synonymous with the day of Thanksgiving and you mm-hmm. rarely eat it at other times during the year. Which and I think is it, a mistake. I think, for the I think that the, it is. I think that stuffing and the flavor of stuffing is synonymous with the holiday itself. Yes. And macaroni and cheese is elite. I understand that mashed potatoes are elite, cornbreads elite, all the things that you might pick. But Thanksgiving is stuffing. For Dave Ubbin, I'm Ari Wasserman. Enjoy your guys' holidays. And more importantly, if you're a college football fan, enjoy your rivalry weekend. Oh, yes. Um, I will be live on Tuesday evening with Chris Fanini to break down the playoff reveal. We will be live again on Saturday Saturday after after the Ohio State-Michigan game. So if you're listening to this in podcast form and want to take part in those live shows, be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you're here as a YouTube-only person and you want to get our shows all week, be sure to subscribe to the podcast channel. All the links that you you need to find these um, are in the show's description. And then lastly, be sure to sign up for The Athletic. You can get the Black Friday deal, which is $1 a month for an entire year. That is theathletic.com slash Saturday. Thank you so much for listening to the latest edition of Until Saturday. Enjoy your holiday. And bring back the channel.